Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very special guest. Her name is Hunter Clark Fields, and she's a mindful mama mentor. Hunter is the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, host of the Mindful Mama podcast, and widely followed author of Raising Good Humans. You can see a copy of her book on the wall behind her there. You know, she really it, it is, it, for her, she really likes to be involved in this parenting process. And she helps parents bring more calm and peace into their daily lives. Now, Hunter has over 20 years experience in meditation practices and has taught mindfulness to thousands of people worldwide. So let's get into this a little bit and make this process so much better for people and help them with their lives as well. So how did you get into this mindfulness process and this mindfulness world? Well, I mean, for me, I, I needed it. (laughs) That's how I got into it. I really needed it. I was a, um, you know, highly sensitive kid was really very felt things very deeply. And, um, and I was very kind of up, but I would fall into these pits and I would be very down. And, um, I started reading about mindfulness as a teenager and just kind of needing some relief. Um, and, um, and then I read and read and read, I read for a good decade. <laughs> okay. So maybe, that, maybe you can help me a bit because yeah, people yeah. talk about mindfulness in different ways and to other people, it means different things. Mm. What do you define mindfulness as? What is mindfulness to you? Well, mindfulness is the ability to uh, bring our attention to the present moment with an attitude of kindness and curiosity. So that can be our attention could be in the present moment. It could be in a formal sitting meditation process and on our breath, or it could be um, an attention to a someone else who's speaking to you or the sounds around you, et cetera. It could be whatever it is in your present moment, but just bringing this attitude of kindness of curiosity and your attention to it, because a lot of the time it just happens to be the way the human brain works that our mind is wandering. We're very future oriented. You know, we are wired for survival, not for happiness necessarily. So it provides a lot of relief to get out of the, the future surfing the, or regrets and come into the present moment. And, and it turns out that is the only place life can be lived as well. So it, it has many, many, many benefits. That, that's a real good answer. And I think that's the best definition of mindfulness that I've ever heard. Now, the way you've used mindfulness is you brought it into the spectrum of parenting. Uh, did you start doing that because of you having difficulties in the parenting sphere or because of others having parenting or both? 
Well, ultimately both, but it was very much, I was having difficulty. I was really struggling, especially when my daughter was sort of two years old, (laughs) which is a very intense age, but I would get all this, I would start to, you know, I'm wanting to learn and grow. So I would get this wonderful advice from all these parenting coaches. And, and a lot of the advice could kind of be boiled down to like, here's a better way to respond to your kids. And that's great. Like, that's wonderful. But it's useless when you're triggered, right? When your stress response is triggered, when you're starting to lose your temper, because then your nervous system is literally cutting off access to all of your brain. Like you literally can't access those nice things to ways to respond that you've previously learned. So what I really brought to the conversation was this, um, yes, skillful communication is really important. That's a big part of mindful parenting. But before we get to skillful communication, we have to steady our hearts, steady our minds, steady our nervous system. We have to be less reactive so that we can access our whole brain so that we can choose how we want to respond because otherwise we're in a reactive place, right? And then kind of perpetuating the patterns of the past, which we may or may not necessarily want to perpetuate. So in order to have a choice, we need to regulate our nervous system. And that's really where all that mindfulness work comes in. Yeah, I think that's very important. You know, my wife was always so much better at parenting than I was. She was so much better. You know, I, I was a workaholic. I'd work by day and things like that. We had four daughters. We we jointly helped with things and we'd take them to activities and we'd do things. But she was a master at doing things. You know, the kids would be angry or or petty. She'd change their minds. She'd, She'd get them out of their moods into something else. She would be a master at, at, at redirecting them into other things. And, you know, my kids are now grown up and adults and, Now we have grandchildren and she still has all these wonderful skills of redirecting kids and and bringing them to another level and, and helping things. So are these skills innate or can they be learned? They're, I mean, just like anything, they're both. I mean, you can, whatever you practice grows stronger. I mean, I was really unskillful. I was really I had bad habits. I wasn't very skillful as a parent. And so, yeah, they definitely can be learned. Anything can be learned. You know, practices of self-compassion can be learned. The what we practice grows stronger. That's the gift of neuroplasticity, right? And it sounds like your wife had, you know, an ability to be able to be present with herself and be able to have an awareness, right, of what's going on and what do people need in a certain moment, and and those are all things that can be sk- practiced, all things that can be practiced for sure. Okay. That's a wonderful statement. And it's good for people to know that if they're not good at it, that they could actually learn to get above it and get better at it. Now, okay. You had something to say? There? Yeah. No, I, 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 I just can second that because I was really pretty bad. I was yelling at my daughter regularly. I could see I was scaring her. And it was heartbreaking to see that. I could see also that this was like, this was a pattern that, you know, it was my father's temper coming out. I could see that how this pattern perpetuated. And I think it's important for people to realize that 
whatever level of skill or, you know, sensitivity or responsiveness you have, um, a lot of those things are not something that you chose, right? Like no one, I didn't want to like yell at my kids. (laughs) Nobody wants to yell at their kids. We all would like to be, uh, be able to respond better. And it can feel like we don't have a choice, until we start to st- step back and build a muscle. Of, and that's what mindfulness br- gives us, this sort of muscle of non-reactivity, this muscle to be able to pause and choose, right? And it really is can be applied to parenting, but also every other thing, right? The ability to be able to uh, s- get a little perspective and step back and, and, and pause. It's like that space between stimulus and response, right? Like that's where all the choices, that's what uh, Victor... Um, yeah, Frankel said, and and that's really the what the practice of mindfulness gives us. And yes, so if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> okay. So how exactly does mindfulness help parents? Well, exactly that, right? It's like that that being able to step back and have that choice. So when without mindfulness, right? Without the kind of our, the human default mode is that we are wired for survival. So we're pretty reactive, right? We're very, we're very, um, we're prone to, 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 to go into that fight, flight, or freeze response. And that stress response, we have a lot of stress. And then we, when we're in those modes, we go into kind of an autopilot mode, especially with parenting, the words our parents said, just come out of our mouths. And, you know, maybe the things that are happening around us in society. And so, to be able to then choose something different. You know, a lot of us in, don't want a parent using orders and commands and threats and uh, punishments because we know it creates a lot of disconnection and a lot of uh, uh, damage to relationships, right? So, but to be able to choose a different response and communicate in a different way, it's kind of like learning a whole new language, right? It's like, practicing a new language when your native language was sort of threats and, and punishments to practice a new language, it takes a lot of wherewithal, right? It takes that ability to step back and that ability to choose. And that's what mindfulness really gives us. Okay. That's, that's really good. And, and that, that I think is important. I think that's an important skill that people need to, to, to take home. But I think that's something they need to cultivate. Whether they're a parent or not, I I think everybody needs to be less reactive. I think people, uh, reactive is a good skill. I mean, if you're being chased by a dinosaur, or if you're having something, you need to be reactive and you need to be reacting in a state that's very important. But in our given day, I think we're overreactive. I think we're always responding in a bad way. And I really think we need to get beyond that. And I think we need to calm down. We need to be cool and we need to be collected. And you realize that it's not the end of the world if your child doesn't eat their carrots today or if if uh, they're not doing their homework right now in the way they want you to do it. Uh, one of my friends, Alan Klein, that talks about a funny story in his book. And there was this parent that wanted their child to get ready for school. And the parent walked in the room and the child was jumping on his bed. Okay. So he said, what are you doing? He said, the child said, 
well, I think it's important to have fun getting dressed, mom. I'm having fun getting ready for school. You see, this is the problem we get into, I think, is some things have to be done right now. Otherwise, you're going to miss the school bus. Sometimes you got to get things, but we forget along the way that kids are kids. They look at things in a different funny way than we do. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. And it's also true that parenting is so stressful for people. Like there's so many pressures on people because of so many factors. We have, you know, people have you know, insecure jobs, parents don't have enough support in society in general. So I hate for us to kind of like, I don't want to blame individuals because there's so many factors that are stacked up against parents. And then you get into this relationship where you're not very supported. You might be with this small child for X number of hours a day. It's like a crazy making prospect to have one person alone with a small child for 24 hours a day. Right. And so it's not, it's not surprising that parenting becomes, you know, physically, psychologically, emotionally, really like draining and challenging. And so then when we get to those moments, you know, and, and we're back in that parent child relationship again, and, you know, things that our kids may do that objectively seem like it's like, of course, kids are going to do these dumb things like spill orange juice on the floor. It can trigger old patterns in us that make things, small things feel really big. And nobody, you know, chose to to have these things. And these are just the causes and conditions of our life. But when unexamined, you know, that's when that sort of roller coaster of reactivity starts to get going. And we have to be able to you know, have the support, the wherewithal, the space to be able to step back and say, whoa, why did that drive me so bananas that my kid was jumping on the bed? You know, what is that? Was there something in my life? What did that feel like in my body? So to be able to kind of take the space to process it and understand it ourselves. And, you know, we need a certain amount of space and support to be able to do all of those things. Exactly. And, and, those are some of the things I think we need to, as I say, take a step back in our lives and, and do things that way. Now, I know your book is full of great tips on how to raise good humans. And let's start to go through some of those tips now so people can t- have something to take away so that they can help raise their kids as good as they can to the best of their abilities. Well, there's, you know, there's a lot about one of the things that we have to recognize, I think that's fundamental to this, is that raising good humans requires us to have a, um, like, to be a sensitive caregiver, requires us to have a sensitivity and awareness of ourselves. And that was kind of, that's like this sort of foundational aspect. We can't just say, Oh, I love my kids. I'm going to give them everything, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to know what's going on under the surface for me at all. It really, it's a relationship, right? So we have to kind of, we have to start to uh, everything we do for kids. It's a two for one deal, right? So if we start to learn how to process our difficult feelings better, we start to do, do that sort of thing. Our kids are watching all the time. And so they get to experience the benefits of that. If we start to calm our reactivity, they get to experience the benefits of that. So some of the ways we can do that, a very simple way 
to uh, to be an example of like, you know, good emotional intelligence and emotional regulation, which is really, really what kids need. Like we were all taught, just don't have those feelings. Don't be sad. Don't be angry. You're bad if you do or go away if you do. Right. So we learn to repress things. And that is so unhealthy. It comes out in so many unhealthy ways, right? Alcoholism, et cetera, all these things. So when we can say, start to be in a moment, start to say, start to say what we see out loud, say what we're experiencing out loud, be very transparent and open. I'm starting to feel really frustrated. I'm starting to get irritated. I'm starting to get really frustrated. As we say that out loud, this is like a beautiful thing because A, it's a modeling healthy emotional intelligence. It's then it's like this bell of mindfulness. You're interrupting the pattern, right? Instead of just kind of going on the autopilot, as soon as you start to say, I'm starting to feel really frustrated. It's like that's a pattern interrupter. And that can be a real powerful way to interrupt the pattern of then going on to losing your, you know, yelling or screaming at your kids. Right. And then we can, as we start to say what we're feeling out loud, we can start to say, I need a break right now. One of the things that, you know, the pediatricians in the the 1950s and 60s, they encouraged parents to give kids timeouts instead of hitting them, right? Because it's better than hitting them, right? Like that's better than being physically, you know, abusive to our kids. That's true. But it's actually even better. We can take that one step further and we can say, when things are getting hot, you know who needs a break? I need a break. I don't need to make you do something. I need to regulate myself because it's ridiculous for parents to say to kids, uh, you stop yelling and calm down so I can calm down, right? Like that's in effect what we used to say to kids all the time. We'd yell at them to stop yelling, which is ridiculous. We're telling the kid who doesn't have a fully developed brain to regulate their emotions when we can't. So we can, which is crazy, right? So if we can start to take our own time out, say, whew, I'm starting to get really frustrated here. I need a break maybe put a hand to our heart, take those deep, slow breaths, right? Take a moment to ourselves. That's a, that's a really healthy modeling of healthy emotional regulation for our kids. And that can serve them in so, so many ways. So that's just one of the things that we can start to practice. Another one is if your child is starting to have a tantrum or, or or just being frustrated or hitting their sister and uh, something like that is something my daughter taught me is to talk to the child and say, you know, I know you're frustrated right now. I know you're taking out that frustration on your, on your sister. Maybe you can tell me in words why you're acting this way. Can you use your words to tell us what's going on so that we can understand things a little bit better? So starting, you know, one of the things you well, talk about. In your okay, hold on. I want to talk about that because that, that can be a more skillful response. And it's so, so effective to say, oh, you're really upset right now to acknowledge that just as we would acknowledge it for ourselves, to acknowledge that for our kids. Yes. But we also need to remember that Kids' behavior is communication. Sometimes we encourage them to like use your words, but really what their, whatever their behavior is, that is communication. And for them to, it's really, you know, going back to that nervous system, for them to switch from being 
that losing it to us asking them to use the verbal part of their brain, it can be too much, right? It can be something that feels impossible for kids and may actually be impossible for kids. So it's important for us to remember that the the behavior itself is communication. So we can say, whoa, you're really upset right now and help them to regulate their, their emotions, right? Help them to downregulate. And then that after everybody's downregulated, then your whole brain is on board. And then that's a good time to think about, well, what does that child need to learn in that moment? What, you know, what can we do instead in that moment? Then that's a great place to do that. Cool. Thank you for elucidating that and start and and slowing that down a bit. Uh, You write in your book about the important thing about mindfulness and skillful communication as the two wings that allow parent-child relationships to fly. Let's go into that a little bit as well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Anytime we are parenting, right? Parenting is basically like a a process of communication with our kids on a moment to moment basis. And so mindfulness helps us to steady the heart, steady the mind, steady the nervous system so we can choose. And then that communication piece, right? Like how do we want to, you know, that's at the heart of any, any relationship, right? How do we want our kids to speak back to us? If we want to see them barking orders at their siblings, then we, we give them orders and commands, right? We want to see them yelling at their siblings. We, that's what we do. But we have to model the kind of communication we want to see back, given back to us. So, you know, for instance, like, like that example before, I'm starting to feel really frustrated that's a huge win. If you have a parent of a five-year-old who says, I'm really angry right now. Like, that's amazing. That's a really healthy self-awareness that they have. And they're seeing it because you're modeling it, which is really beautiful. But we can also do things like one of the things as that we do, um, you know, with small children all the time is like, give, give them orders and commands constantly. Like if you're a two-year-old, your life is like, put on your shoes, take off your shoes, put on your jacket, take off your jacket, get in the car seat, come over here, go over there, get in the chair, right? And that's very normal and natural in our culture to do that. But when we think about it, really any, it doesn't matter how old you are, nobody likes to just be ordered around all the time. So it can be helpful to sort of shift that language, you know, into something that's not in order. Like, how would you ask your good friend or your mother, your mother, how would you ask your mother if she had to go put on her shoes and go out the door? How might you ask her, right? We can start to model the language we want to see. So we can start to say, hey, you know, just simple things like it's time to time to go. Hey, would, would you come on over here and let's get the shoes on or we can be playful. There's all kinds of different ways we can do it. But it's it's interesting to start to think of our language and what what do we want to see said back to us, right? Are we saying the things that we want said back to us? Do we want our kids to say, come over here right now? (laughs) No, probably not. (laughs) You know, that's important. And I I think sometimes we feel and do things in, in a way that really we want to drive and make happen. We forget 
the way that the other person wants to make it happen. And, and I, I think that's part of mindfulness is to try to put ourselves into the other person's perspective so we can make those things happen that much easier as well. Yeah. And it helps us to be aware of our expectations. I mean, I'm aware of my own expectations. Like we have expectations for kids in our culture of, um, you know, instant obedience and or compliance. And it's interesting to think about, like, what are our goals? Um, you know, there was a generation where they wanted instant compliance and often their relationship with that, gen- that, ge- that generational relationship is pretty tough and strained, maybe as they're adults, right? And for me, my goal with my children is, A, I want them to feel comfortable in their own skin. I want them to feel like themselves, feel relaxed and confident. And from there, if they like and accept themselves, they can figure out anything, right? They're going to be resilient. They'll be able to do whatever they want to do. And my also my goal, one of my goals is to have a healthy relationship with them as adults, right? My father, who used, you know, the tools of that generation, the yelling, spanking, that kind of thing. Like our relationship was very, very strained and wasn't healthy uh, or positive in any way until we were, I was in my thirties. That's very normal, common story. You know, it's not, not super unusual in that story at all. So when can we start, we can start to think about what is our goal. And if, if our goal is to have kids who feel like they are confident that they feel like their voice can be heard, that they care about other people's feelings. Other people care about their feelings together. We can get solve problems. That's that. And then we have to parent for that, right? Rather than that, the societal kind of um, common expectation of instant compliance, you know, nobody complies with you instantly. Even my husband, like, Gosh, darn it. Like he will not comply with me instantly when I ask him to get me something. <laughs> and for some reason, we have this expectation of kids that's so different from our expectation of adults, right? And so it's really interesting and helpful to take a step back and say, what do I really want? And are, are my actions kind of lining up with what I really want? And what are, are my expectations realistic as well for my kids? Those are very, very important statements there. And I think everybody has to take that to heart. Now, believe it or not, we're close to our end already. That's how fast this has flown by. Now, I always end the show with two questions. And and the first one replies to you. And it's a very important one, Hunter. And it's, how do you live a fantastic life in the journey that you've come through, the journey that you've known to this point, how have you used these things for you to live a fantastic life? Well, I mean, I think as far as what I teach, I've used these things very selfishly to take a relationship with my oldest daughter that was really starting down a bad path. And now she's 14 and we have conflict like everybody does, but uh, we are close. We're connected. She can, you know, we can communicate in such a way that we can really hear each other. And that is means a lot to me that 
my, I haven't destroyed my influence with her. And how have I used these things? I think that the things that we need to live an amazing life, one of the things we really need is, um, I mean, that, that piece about our mind, mindfulness, right? I practice sitting meditation every single day, and it gives me the ability to step back and give, have perspective. It gives me the ability to see things more clearly, to get things done quicker because I can focus. Um, and it gives me the ability to step back and make very strategic changes in my life like that will make the most happiness <laughs> that I possibly can. You know, for instance, having more space in my daily schedule, being able to then envision what it is that I want and sort of go for that. But I think all of that comes from the space and the ability to see clearly that the mindfulness practice has given me. Perfect. Thank you very much. Okay, Hunter, how can people get in touch with you and how can they get a copy of your book? Sure. Raising Good Humans is everywhere books are sold. It's in audiobook form. So if you're like to listen to things like this podcast, um, and then you can get in touch with me at mindfulmamamentor.com. I have mindful parenting. I have a teacher training program. I also have the Mindful Mama podcast. If you want to dive in deeper, there's many episodes there as well. Thank you, Hunter, for being here today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. And thank you for having a, to put a new perspective on things for people so that they can have uh, help their children better and help themselves in their daily lives through mindful exercises. Thank you so much, Alan. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, talk to you soon. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Fantastic day.